Well, welcome to the show. You are listening to My Turf, Season 1, Episode 24. I am your host, Ryan Marshall. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, this episode brought to you by Marshall Media. And if we can do anything for your social media needs, please email me at myturfpodcast at gmail.com. Also, email me for honor questions, constructive criticism, and hate mail. So thank you so much for being with us. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Title of Season 1, Episode 24 will be Turf Ward. Why? Well, in the first segment, we will talk NFL football. Second will be college football. And in the third and final segment, I will tackle and unpack some controversial questions and topics and hate thrown my way at myturfpodcast at gmail.com. So yeah, we got a lot of things to unpack in the third and final segment. Well, not a lot of things, but uh, yeah, a whole lot to uh, just kind of digest and process of what's been going on in the sports world regarding some controversial issues. And we're going to get to it. I'm not going to shy away from it. So we will get to those. Uh, how about today, though? Congratulations, Novak Djokovic. Seventh Wimbledon title. This dude is an absolute machine. He is the greatest of all time. Legendary status. We had Pete Sampras. Then Roger Federer, who's on the back nine of his career, by the way, and it's been a great career. And by the way, this guy's only 32, and he surpassed Federer on all those fronts, man. This guy, he's an absolute machine, man. Against that kind of competition, like Federer, Andy Murray, Rafael Nadal. I mean, dude, these are some of the greatest tennis players and uh, this guy, he's he's dominating all of them. So, uh, yeah, man, congrats to him. All right, let's talk some NFL news. Let's start off with the AFC North and in that division. Why? Baker Mayfield was traded by the Cleveland Browns, the Carolina Panthers. Depending on how much playing time he gets, whether or not he starts, basically, for the Carolina Panthers, they will get a fourth or fifth round draft pick for him. So, like, dude, the Panthers got kind of get a really good deal and uh the browns really didn't get much back for him a lot of worth in a first round draft pick but look at the same time they had to get rid of him both sides have moved on um you got to be happy for baker because he definitely deserves a second ch- you know second chance somewhere else so uh yeah the carolina panthers have been kind of an organization that's shown some glimpses under head coach uh, matt rule of being really good and then and they just kind of teetered off so i don't know what's you know they bring in Ben McAdoo now to run the offense. Of course, he's the former New York Giants head coach. and uh, He's a good play caller, I would say. But, um, yeah, Christian McCaffrey hasn't been healthy. They got DJ Moore. They have Robbie Anderson. They've got some talent there. So, let's see if they can put it together. Got a young defense and uh, see if they can make a run there in the NFC South. All right, let's stay back, though, with the AFC North. Got some news uh, coming out of that division. So, in the AFC North, we are hearing that well, we heard a couple weeks back that we were talking about some fantasy football stuff that the Steelers might, you know, lessen the load for Najee Harris. Maybe take him out on some third downs and stuff like that. Well, they've come out and said, no, that's not the case at all. This dude is going to be our bell cow and we are going to feed him. So, yeah, fantasy football. Just remember, we're a couple weeks away from really getting, giving, getting a whole rundown on that. But, yeah, Najee Harris, wink, wink. Just think about him for a second. Baltimore Ravens, they signed uh, linebacker Justin Houston back to a one-year deal. So, Gonna add, definitely going to help out with that pass rush. All right, let's go to the AFC East. Talk some news there. By the way, we've got to talk about these different divisions and the news stories going on because, look, we're in the offseason. We can find something something significant to talk about, even if it's something small. All right, so in the AFC East, uh, the Dolphins. Looks like Chase Edmonds is going to be the star running back maybe in that uh, that group. You know, they've got Raheem Mostert. Of course, Miles Gaskin's been pretty good last couple years there. Remember, Mike McDonald, first-year head coach there. They've got Tyreek Hill, and they've got, got Jalen Waddle. 
added some beef up front to protect Tua. But he's a running game coordinator, so he's going to want to pound the rock and, and, and run a lot of play action for Tua off those run, off the running game. So that's good news for Chase Edmonds. He's never really been that great. He's shown some glimpses. He's a good player, but he's never been like a bell cow or anything like that. So I do think Mostert and uh, Miles Gaskin will still have some value in that offense. If you haven't heard, yeah, or even seen it, New England Patriots quarterback Mac Jones looks in incredible shape. He's been working out with Ramadre Stevenson. They look to be in sync on some big-time passing that's going to be there for them on third down. Uh, expect Damian Harris still to get the bulk of the carries, but Stevenson started kind of pecking away there, and he looks really great uh, as far as running some uh, some wide receiver routes, man. So he could be – Mac Jones looks in incredible shape, by the way. It's unreal. Uh, some other news. Of course, the New York Jets. Carl Lawson, he's coming back, man. He looks good. That defense last year was 16th in uh, in sacks. So they add – well, they add – Jermaine Johnson in the draft, of course, first rounder out of Florida State. And now they get Carl Lawson back from injury. That's huge. This defense, man, that's going to help out Robert Sala. He's a defensive-minded guy, so he wants to, he wants to create pressure with just four guys and be able to sit back and run, run a lot of cover three Skyhawks. So, yeah, Robert Sala is definitely loving having Carl Lawson back. That was a big-time free agent pickup for him last year. He got hurt, and that just killed that defense. So, uh, some other news. Buffalo Bills hearing some good news about O.J. Howard that tied in there. Of course, they got Dawson Knox, too. So, Gabriel Davis, Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen's going to be really, really good again. He's got a lot of firepower. So, all right, let's talk about the AFC South. Tennessee Titans running back, Derrick Henry. He looks in incredible shape. So, uh, yeah, get ready. They're going to be ready to take that division again. Also, hearing some good news about Travis Etienne, man. He looks like a dynamic playmaker, they say, running and catching the football. So, Trevor Lawrence. He's got his man back after who got injured before the season last year, too. So Travis Etienne, man, he's gonna be he's gonna have a big year, it looks like, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, some some uh NFC South news as well. How about Chris Godwin, man? The all-pro wide receiver will be back week one for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, Tom Brady's gonna be happy to hear that because of course Gronk's retired and uh, it's gonna be ran through basically Godwin and Mike Evans. So yeah, can't wait to see how uh Godwin looks, man. He's an incredible player and you know, Brady's got basically going to have full command of that offense now that Bruce Arians has retired. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man, for sure. So, yeah, uh, so the biggest news story, could have covered it first, but I'm going to wait till the end, is that it's Deshaun Watson, right? We're still waiting uh, to hear what's going to happen for him. <coughs> Excuse me. So, Deshaun, um, a ruling should be made this week. We're hearing that it could be a 12-game suspension We're from the NFL. But we're hearing from the NFL Players Association because there was no evidence um, brought forth of violence, force, or uh, or threat made in the allegations made by these women, supposedly. But there's no there's no proof. And so they're saying no suspension. And they will appeal and they will fight the NFL on it. So, Deshaun, uh, the NFL Players Association, they have your back, even though you're you know, coming off like you a freak. But look, same time, they're, they got your back and... Uh, Look, they're fighting for you to play. And remember, if he plays for the Cleveland Browns, I think we all kind of think, like, they're definitely going to be the favorites to win the AFC North. I mean, they got Amari Cooper in there now, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, an outstanding uh, running back duo. Of course, on the defense side of the ball, Jadavian Clowney, Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom. They are stacked. Greedy Williams, they have a stacked secondary. It's very talented. So, yeah, the Cleveland Browns, they if they get their quarterback, look out they're gonna be poised to make a run 
in the AFC. So no news as far as the contracts with Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Debo Samuel, and DK Metcalf. But we all know that both sides are very optimistic for all those players. They want to get a deal done. They want to keep those players. They are their franchises going forward. So look, they just got to get a deal done. And, and once we hear it, man, we'll uh, we'll report here on my turf. So let's take a pause for the calls and uh, get ready for segment two. Talk some college football here on my turf. Season one, episode 24, turf four. And welcome back into my turf. I'm your host, Ryan Marshall. Once again, back with you, segment two, season one, episode 24, turf war. So let's talk some college football. So some news out there, of course, some decent drama, I guess. Uh, Ex-Alabama running back Kylan Robinson, who, of course, transferred to Texans, Texas, excuse me, sold his national championship rings for $40,000. He's also said that he believes after seeing Texas and being there that he believes his boys can compete with him. So look. That's going to be a good contest week two. Remember that? Quint Ewers could be the starting quarterback. That'd be a big, big game for him. Steve Sarkeesian against his old boss and Nick Saban. So a lot of good storylines, and Robinson's just added to it. We like the drama. So, But the biggest news stories, of course, is the recruiting that's going on right now. And I tell you, man, I don't know if anybody's been on more of a roll than Miami. They're absolutely crushing it. Uh, they beat Bama for a four-star tight end, Riley Williams. He's out of Oregon, dynamic offensive playmaker, man. He's going to do really well at the next level. Uh, they got five-star defensive end, Jaden Wayne, and five-star offensive lineman, Francis McGuire. Um, Both of those guys are out of IMG Academy, so that just tells you how big of uh, how big of prospects they are. And uh, how about uh, another big loss for Alabama? Five-star defensive lineman, Peter Woods, uh, commits to Clemson. He's from Alabama, Alabaster. Alabama, which is basically Thompson High School in that Birmingham area, five-star defensive tackle or DN. He can play both. And amazing, by the way, this kid's six foot four, two seventy, and runs a four-five-eight. Is what he's been clocked at. Yeah, he goes to Clemson. So that's a huge loss to lose an in-state player like that. So five-star quarterback Dante Moore, who's been moving that needle a lot more in regards to his height. He commits to Oregon like we had anticipated. We had heard that rumor. This kid, by the way. He upped his stock tremendously at the Elite 11 competition. I'm telling you, man, I was kind of, I thought this guy was maybe the fifth or sixth best quarterback. I could easily see now him moving maybe into that third spot. I, I believe it's Nico Amavia, Amaliva, excuse me. And then, of course, you got Arch and then him. Um, Malachi Nelson really disappointed me in that Elite 11 competition. I can understand it's an Elite 11 competition, but like on that stage, I just expected him to do a lot more. Um, so much was, you know, we were making that opinion based off of uh, his seven-on-seven seven competition, and maybe he just had those guys around him. When you're talking about Brandon Ennis and Carnell Tate, the two uh, two best wide receivers in the country, making him look that good. So, all right. So the theme has been each week that we go over a position grouping in recruiting. And so last week we did linebacker, uh, middle and outside linebacker, and this week we're not going to break that up. We're not going to do cornerback and safety. We're just going to do cornerback. So it's a stacked class, by the way. And a lot of these guys have kind of already started committing. But look, this is a tremendous group. Some of these guys are cornerbacks and safeties and can play both. But trying to stay true to cornerback where we kind of see them projecting higher. But they could. these guys are so versatile that they could play any position in that defensive backfield. So what I like about all these guys when you break down all of them, all of them 
have amazing ball skills and they play with such urgency. That's what you see in these top prospects that I like to rank. When I put them in my top five, it's because I see these guys out there playing like it's fourth down and the game is on the line every play. So a lot of times that's why I'll jump a guy up who may be a consensus number three guy. I'm jumping this. I'm jumping him. And that's what I like to do. That's how I like to rank these guys. Is when I see these guys that are, yeah, they're absolute ballers and freaks and beasts, but also at the same time, you can see that they're not taking off any plays. So it just means a lot to them. And that's what I like in seeing these guys. All right, let's start off with number one. It's a five-star cornerback, Cormani McClain. Out of Lakeland, Florida, plays at Lakeland High School. The taller kind of cornerback, 6'2", 170. He'll need to add some weight to that frame. But, man, this kid is absolutely a star. He thought he was going to be a star wide receiver, but was forced into action at cornerback because of an injury to a teammate. So he was like, I guess I'll go play over there on that side. And you can tell because he has the elite ball skills, an elite, he's got elite speed, an insane vertical, off the chart athleticism with explosive movement patterns and coordinations. This guy just has insane agility and he can just recover just like that in a flick. So he reminds me a lot of a former. First rounder from uh, Cincinnati, Sauce Gardner, of course, went to the New York Jets, played at Cincinnati, did a great job matching up with Jamison Williams, did it all year long, and, uh, you know, Carmani's got that great length, he can play the run, plays excellent, you know, in all three phases, man, he can play the run, play zone coverage, man coverage, he can do it all, and, uh, of course, look, man, if this kid just struggles a little bit on the defensive side, he can go play offense, because he is that dynamic of a athlete. All right, let's talk about number two. Javian Toviano, Arlington, Texas, five-star. He plays cornerback and safety. He can play both. Six foot 180, but I think he really looks more like six foot, like 200. I think he's added weight. But, man, he's got excellent ball skills and versatility. That is a theme going around around these guys. That's what you want in these new-age defensive backs. Um, he's excellent in zone in, in diagnosing the play. Great change of direction. Um, he also plays running back. A lot of people compare him to Jabril Peppers. He used to play um, with the uh, Michigan Wolverines, of course, and was drafted in the first round to the uh, Cleveland Browns and traded, of course, to the New York Giants. But, yeah, he's just that kind of athlete. He's training A&M, Texas, and Michigan, by the way. All right, let's talk about number three, Jaleel Hurley, five-star cornerback out of Florence, Alabama, plays at Florence High School. He's 6'2", 180 pounds. He's a Bama commit. Um Great high-end coordination with ball skills and elite speed. Has amazing ball location skills. What that means is like this guy really can just sense it and look back to uh, impact, whether it's a pass breakup or, you know, get an interception. This guy just has an amazing job locating it. Just a knack for really knowing when to turn his head around. So if that gives you kind of any insight into what we're talking about with the uh, ball, location, ball location skills. He can also line up at safety. He's a beast at stopping the run. He's not afraid to come up and wallop somebody. He's also a great wide receiver, and he'll do whatever it takes for his team. So, yeah, Jalil Hurley, he's being compared to James Bradbury. Of course, a former second-round pick out of Sanford and played with the uh, – plays for the Eagles now. Before that, it was the Giants and the, uh, and the Carolina Panthers. But, yeah, Jalil Hurley, man, he is an outstanding corner. Another big guy, too, 6'2". 180 pounds, so yeah, Alabama's going to love having him on campus. All right, number four is going to be A.J. Harris. I understand that, uh, you know, A.J. Harris has been kind of knocked a little bit because he's, he played at a, a private school. Now he's going to play at Central Phoenix City High School there in Alabama, which is a really good school. Justin Ross came from there. 
uh, the star wide receiver at Tex, uh, Clemson, excuse me. This kid's six foot, 190. He's committed to Georgia. Great stature and size. Very coordinated with amazing anticipation to get a lot of interception and pass breaks up, breakups. But a lot of people are saying, well, you know, you know, he really didn't do that great in the seven on seven stuff. Well, I can say this though, the tape is pretty impressive. So, and, and Kirby Smart is not going to offer any just any quarter cornerback. This kid's a, an absolute freak of an athlete and play safety as well and uh yeah it just doesn't look like he has the top end speed on some stuff so he'll have to uh he'll have to refine his technique and, and you know he's got really smooth moves as far as reading patterns and stuff like that it just looks like he's gonna have to start you know doesn't have the recovery speed against some of those really really fast water receivers all right number five is gonna be a duo thing okay let me say it's gonna be two guys and they're teammates by the way javon thomas and malik muhammad both are four stars. Both guys are like 5'11", 170 pounds. You can't really make tell the difference in them. They're out of Dallas, Texas, and they play at South Oak Cliff High School. Malik, I would say, is the better uh, press coverage guy in man-to-man, and Javon has better instincts in a an athlete who can you know, cover the slot, play off man. Both are insane football players. Last year, they won a state title, and they're looking to repeat. When these guys are both on the field on offense, look, it's, you know, You'll see Javon play quarterback, and then Malik play some running back and some wide receiver too, and they'll swap it up. Like these guys are so fun to watch; they'll do whatever they can do for their football team. Uh, Javon is uh, a Texas A&M commit, and Malik is looking at uh, Texas in the seven-on-seven stuff. Malik Muhammad, uh, he was really tough on Carnell Tate and Brandon Ennis. Like he he has proven that he can he can lock down those number one guys. So. Malik Muhammad just needs to add a little, needs to add some weight. Both of them do get up to maybe about 185, 190 pounds. But yeah, man, these guys are just absolute studs. They're fun to watch. Another guy to kind of think about in this class is Tony Mitchell, uh, five star out of um, um, Alabaster as well, where Peter Woods went to school. Like he's just great safety cornerback. He's committed to Alabama. He's another great corner in this class, but it looks like he could play some safety too. They're also versatile and they play multiple position, positions. So it's a fun group to kind of grade and watch. And uh, I actually enjoyed watching a lot of film on these guys. Like it's just, they were just that innovative on defense and the schemes that they were running with these athletes. So, all right, segment three is coming up. The controversial questions, I'm trying to answer them. So uh, stay tuned here on my turf, season one, episode 24, Turf Wars. And we are back for the third and final segment here on My Turf, Season 1, Episode 24, Turf Wars. Well, I said at the beginning of the show, we got to defend our turf. So I've got to defend mine. It's par for the course. When you do a podcast, you are going to get negativity, criticism, hatefulness, and it's par for the course. When you do something like this, you open yourself up for criticism. I get advice from people all the time that never even broadcast it. Um, I get laughed at probably. You know, even doing this, who who does he even think he is? But I enjoy doing it. I love talking sports, and that's why I do this show. And I hopefully, you know, bring some good vibes to your day. And this is a part of your your week and a good routine. And and uh, you enjoy it. That's I enjoy doing this. I put a lot of time and effort into doing this show and giving you the best product. So I, I hope you enjoy it. Thank you to my twenty four hundred listeners out there. Couldn't do it without you. There are some people that don't like you. And like I said, it is par for the course. Not everybody's going to like you. They're not going to give you the nicest comments and stuff like that. So at myturfpodcast at gmail.com, I get all your constructive criticism, your hate, 
in your on-air questions, and I go through all of them. I try to interact with you, and uh, I even do it on Twitter. By the way, my Twitter handle, RyanFN18, get at me. And, uh, you know, it's, it's still it's still enjoyable. That's all I'm going to say. So let's get into the questions. I'm not going to say it's like the most controversial questions or anything like that, the biggest of deals, but we do got some stuff to unpack and tackle. And it's kind of out of the realm of what we usually do on the show and something that I've tried to stay away from. But shit, you just got to do it, man. <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead and start off with question number one. Comes from Chance out of Oneonta, Alabama, asking about Megan Rapino and Simone Biles. Were they worthy of receiving the Medal of Freedom? Okay, Chance. Because I'm conservative and non-woke, I'm going to get this question right. So... Let's say this. Let me say this about Simone Biles. Simone Biles has never represented America in a negative light. I understand the whole cloud over the Olympics. She had the twisties. She sided mental illness. It stepped away from the all-around competition, which soon Lee did go out there and win in her place. Teammates stepped up. Simone Biles is the greatest gymnast of all time, and she knows it. She wears those uh, flip-flops or her little shoes with goats on them and stuff like that. She calls herself the greatest of all time. I think we're comparing her to Michael Jordan and holding her to that standard. Gymnastics, gymnastics is not basketball. It's a whole different kind of animal. Um, I think if you're dizzy or whatever, that's what, they're, that's what they're saying can happen with these twisties. So, like I said, I've never been a gymnast. I'm just giving you the information that I was given as regarding this issue. She's always represented of, represented America in a very positive light to a very high standard. Um, my niece loves the hell out of her. That's her, her role model. So I'm going to say Simone Biles was definitely deserving. Megan Rapino, look, it's a woke society that we live in. She's brash. She's outspoken. She's kind of disliked by one side, really loved, and the champion of another side. She's the captain of the women's national soccer team, and she's took a knee like Colin Kaepernick. She's also scored a goal when we were up eight to nothing and uh, did the whole pose thing too. So, look, what we can understand is she's a showboater. She's loud. She's obnoxious. She's annoying. Um, at the same time, she's one heck of a soccer player. She said she was fighting for women's rights and equal pay. She's also, after that, got like nine endorsement deals. I'm not joking. Like Hulu, Samsung, Nike. Um, I think it's Vitamin Water, Body Armor. Gosh, I believe it's she's got Visa and Victoria's Secret too. Yeah. So yeah, I think I've got all of them. Meg Rapino has built a brand off of doing that, just like Colin Kaepernick did. He doesn't have to play football. He's got Nike. He's got the money. She really don't have to play soccer, so she's just still playing for the love and, and everything. But, um, yeah, she's got crazy endorsement deals. So, speaking of equality, maybe she's giving some, hopefully, to her teammates. But I was not, I'm not a fan of Megan Rapinoe doing this and the way she does it. To be fair to Megan, Megan Rapinoe, if she looked like Alex Morgan and acted like her, this wouldn't be an issue. The fact is that... It, that's just not, he's not the most attractive person. And uh, I think we just got to be real about the situation. Megan Rapinoe is not the most attractive per person, and she looks annoying and sounds annoying. So that's the whole reason she gets a lot of flack for this, but I do believe she has good intentions. All right, let's move on from that one. All right, let's talk about this next one that I got. 
All right, so it comes from uh, Book, Booker, actually, from Silver City, Utah. I said I could use his name. Rhyme, you never played college or pro football, you skinny-looking dork. What makes, your, what makes you think your non-athletic ass is qualified to even comment on it? Um, dang, Book, that's pretty hateful. All right, so Booker, obviously... You don't know much about me. You labeled me a little bit. I'm not going to say anything negative about you or anything like that. Booker, I grew up watching college and pro football nonstop. People were at the lake on a Saturday. I was watching college football. People were back at the lake on a Sunday. I was watching pro football. I loved it. Ever since I was five years old, I was watching football. Ninth grade, no, I didn't have size on my side, so I didn't play football. Uh, high school football after ninth grade. Growth sport didn't hit me. You know, so I wasn't blessed to be able to play the game. But when I got out of high school, I got a job at a local radio station and I was the producer for high school football and had to cover college football and uh, college basketball as well, even NASCAR too. So then I got to Troy University. I covered high school football and the Hall of, a Hall of Fame broadcaster named Ralph Black, the original voice of the Troy Trojans, um, who I worked under, said I was going to be a color analyst. But I had to learn formations, plays, the design of the plays. I had to learn the flow of the game. I had to learn everything, he said, to be able to like work with him. And so I was like, okay. So he took me to Troy football practices. We watched film with Larry Blakeney. Then I went to high school football coaches in the area, some of the best ever that had one state champion, multiple state championships. I'd watch film with them, watch their practices, talk to them learn as much as I possibly could, and it just added to the addiction booker. So, sure, I didn't play it, but it captivated me. And I tried to become as knowledgeable as I possibly could, talking to other coaches right now on how they scout players. I'm obsessed with trying to learn it. I watch highlight tapes nonstop. I'm trying to learn. I'm a sponge on trying to learn football. So I'm sorry if that upsets you in some way or um, some sort of fashion but yeah book that's just a little background story into who i am i love it and um yeah so i'm sorry that i'm living rent free in your head booker but thank you so much for the question and taking the time to uh to email me again my turf podcast at gmail.com for anybody like booker all right so let's move on to the next question got a question from colin out of seagrove florida what's worse for college football the nil or super conferences ah right now i think it's this yeah, I think it's the NIL, of course, because there's it's not being regulated. The super conferences, yeah, I don't like the whole regional aspect of it and stuff like that. It's getting crazy. It's a whole money grab for both sides. But for the NIL stuff, these schools that are giving players an NIL deal of like $3 million to come to their school or $8 million to come to their school and promising them that, I think it's just taking advantage of a kid, and, and I'm not for that. I understand these players should be getting paid off their name, image, and likeness. Trust me. They should be compensated, but you're, these kids are not old enough to be able to handle that. Who's, you know, who's handling their business deals? So that's the questions that I have regarding it. I still feel like it needs to be regulated. Super conferences, it's not great either. Um, it's definitely the game is changing. NCAA's got to do something to step in. So maybe Mark Emmer will do something before he leaves office or the next guy up is really going to tackle it. All right, let's move on to uh, another Lovely comment. This comes from Brandon out of Normal, Illinois. He said I could use his name. Uh, anyway, Ryan, you are as unlikable as Aaron Rodgers. You are clearly a Republican fascist 
who hates women and is transphobic after your hateful comments about Leah Thomas. P.S. Don't think we didn't recognize you played big dick energy on that episode. <clears throat> well, I'm sorry, Brandon. Um, okay, so first and foremost, I'm not transphobic. Um, you know, whatever you do in your private life is your private life. Like your sexual orientation. If you're a lesbian, um, it, it's private. If you're straight, it's private. That's it's a private matter. That does not define your character. For Leah Thomas, I want to say this. Leah Thomas, like we talked about, has not fully transitioned. Still has a bulge. And I'm not saying that to be mean or clown on Leah Thomas. I'm just saying, if you really felt that way about who you are, wouldn't you make that full transition? It hasn't happened yet. Because, I mean, look, that's Leah Thomas should not be in a locker room with women with that, right? So I, that's just what I felt like. That's, you know, that's you're taking, you can't take a shower with them, right? How do you even go through that? And as far as what we talked about, Leah Thomas, in competition, no one can tell me that's fair. A biological male with bigger hands, bigger lungs, and bigger feet who look like a giant on that state, that you know, the podium next to them, was fair competition. So that's my whole argument towards Leah Thomas. I care for that person. I believe that I'm not saying Leah Thomas has a mental condition. By the way, if you heard, I'm kind of, torn on calling her he or she and i'm not like i said i'm not trying to be hateful towards towards leah thomas again this is about competition and nobody can tell me what do you do going forward then ryan i don't know if you have to have your own category for trans you know transgender men competing as transgender men or transgender women competing as transgender women i don't know i feel like that's maybe something that we need to be thinking about again leah thomas only transitioned a year and a half ago you know, the Olympic Committee is saying 13, I believe. But at the same time, like Leah Thomas um, is taking hormone blockers that child rapists take um, to stop their urges. So to me, there's not a lot, enough research on it. And I'm, I'm sorry, Brandon, if that was hateful towards um, Leah Thomas. Please don't label me, though. That Republican fascist stuff, come on, man. You're better than that, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Be better. I mean, seriously, we're not labeling i'm not labeling leah thomas as a horrible person or anything like that but i just feel like in the act of competition there's no way anybody could tell me that was fair so all right that's gonna do it uh answered all your crazy questions not crazy i answered all your damn questions that were tough to, to to answer and i appreciate you if you're listening and i hope you found it enjoyable or entertaining uh it was kind of tough a little bit but i think you i can pull back the curtain a little bit and you got a little see a little bit more of me of who ryan is so again i'm ryan marshall your host for season one episode 24 my turf uh title track by the way turf wars remember you can listen to us on apple Podcasts and spotify and of course email me like i said with constructive criticism hate mail on our questions at my turf podcast at gmail.com of course this episode brought to you by marshall media and if we can do anything for your social media needs email me course at that same email address thank you so much folks for being with us season one episode 24 turf war that is a wrap hope everyone has a lovely week mm -hmm.